Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Terry Judge. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for coming as a guest on a podcast. Terry is the founder and chief executive officer of Core Solutions Group LLC, a company that specializes in the short version of its cost segregation, multifamily, and many other things. But today we'll talk quite a bit about the benefits of course segregation, some of the advanced questions, what happens with this depreciation, when does it get recaptured and other fun stuff. So it'll be very exciting, but very technical conversation. But before we do that, uh, would you be so kind as to talk a little bit about Terry, where you live, family, cats, pets, kids, whatever works for you. Sure, sure. Well, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, well, technically, I was I, I was <clears throat> born in Sterling Heights, which is about eh, 30, by, 30 minutes from downtown Detroit. Um, just, you know, blue collar kid raised in an automotive family, got one brother and he's got three girls. I've got one boy. He's out now going to college out in L.A. Uh, I'm engaged to a beautiful girl, lady, um, and I've started the so no pets uh, at the, I want, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but uh, uh, looking to get a dog at the moment. It's kind of funny how you asked me that, but um, yeah. So let's see, started the, well, do you want me to talk a little bit about, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know what other specific questions you, you, you're still you in Detroit. Have. What's that? Are you still in Detroit? Still in Detroit, man. It's hard to get out of here. I don't, you know, it's weird. I, I talk to people all over the country and um, it just seems like people have roots here and they, they, they stick, but you know, I travel a lot, which is great. And we're looking for a second home um, down in Florida as we speak, because I can't stand the winter anymore, Mike. It's, uh, it's killing me. So I, I know the drill. Yeah. I'm in New York. Uh, my, my mother lives in Rochester, New York. It's like Detroit. Oh. A lot of snow, very cold. And, yeah, it's 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 so the winters cold, are brutal right? sometimes. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I love six months. I love the summers here. I love the fall. Um, it, it's we have a lot of fun boating, golfing. You know, it's just it's beautiful here. We have great weather in the summertime, in the fall, in spring. But you know, four or five months, it's just brutal. Right now, we're in that brutal time. It's twenty degrees outside. It's it's just gray. But you know what? It, 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 it really gives you some appreciation when you do go down to the to the ocean. Just it's it's just like this aha moment every time I see the ocean. I'm just like, oh my god, this is therapy. But I want more of it now as I'm getting older. Completely in agreement with you. I love four seasons, but sometimes you gotta have the cold winter to feel to feel uh, <laughs> the nice weather. It's almost like uh, I'm gonna quote this and very quickly, and then we'll go to real estate. Uh, Alexander Dumas. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, one of the points that there is no happiness or unhappiness, or there's no cold or hot weather. There's only the difference between one state and the other. If you haven't experienced ultimate despair, you haven't experienced ultimate bliss. The same thing happens with weather. If you haven't experienced very cold, severe weather, 
you can't really appreciate when you are out there and it's, you know, 80 degrees, low humidity, or even, even there is humidity, but it's just fun. It's, it's nice weather. So let, let's jump into real estate, COSAG. And um, uh, so it's a great um, uh, segment because it's, it's all about taking advantage of one of the greatest benefits of real estate investing, depreciation and ability to uh, deduct it today and then have years worth of great cash flow or great appreciation uh, without tax liability. So let's just cover the basics. Um, somebody buys a multifamily and then we'll cover some other interesting topics, but let's start with very, very basic um, multifamily. Then acquisition of multifamily, uh, let's just say some kind of reasonable size project, 300 doors, just for sake of the argument. And it's aged. It's, let's say it's in a decent area, but uh, it's got, you know, it needs work. It's, it's aged. It's not a new property. So a new acquisition uh, happens uh, and the owner uh, says, okay, let's run cost segregation. Or what, what, what is it? How does it work? And then typically what kind of benefits does it give through bonus depreciation today? And then uh, I know it's better now than it was a number of years ago, the, the 2017 I think it was called Jobs Act, included 100% bonus depreciation versus 50 in the past, right? Just talk a little bit about just high level how it works. Well, we approach any asset class, whether it's a short-term rental, whether it's a large industrial, or whether it's a you know apartment building. We do a lot of apartment buildings. That's really been kind of a, a big area for our company in the last like, two, three years. So we have tons of experience around multifamily, and that just seems to be one of the most popular asset classes right now. Um, so yeah, so let's say somebody's going to buy, you know, 300 doors. It's an older property. It's a, you know, it's a C plus. They want to bring it to a, a you know, a B minus, B plus. Um, so there's cap back. So we we approach it. We take a look at the the, the, the we call it the as build. It's the it's the original purchase price. We take that. Let's say it's 10 million dollars. We run it through. We built a very uh, sophisticated piece of software. It's, a, it's an estimating tool where we can provide our clients a free analysis on what the cash benefit is going to look like. So, you know, we run that, let's say $10 million. Now we, we back out usually about 15, 10 to 15% for land. And then we deal just with the real estate. And then we take a look at what we, what we would call kind of like a piggyback or a phase two cost seg. And that, that would be around the, on the renovation. So we'll talk about that in a, in a second. So, um, the key thing is we want to cost seg out the entire property, land improvements, all the interior. Um, the, and then we go into plumbing, wiring, electrical. So we have, an, you know, our, our, my firm is made up of, of tax, uh, legal and engineers. And you have to have all three. You'll, it's very important when you hire a cost seg firm that they have all three. Some people are lacking and they just kind of put these templates together. And that's kind of a no-no. Maybe we can talk about that a little later. Um, you know, what justifies or qualifies a legitimate cost seg firm uh, for your listeners. So we, you know, we, we send out a, a, an engineer um, to the property after our benefit analysis. So that benefit analysis, step one, is going to identify the near-term cash benefit to accelerate the depreciation as much as we possibly can on the original purchase price. So what does that mean? We're going to go and break apart hundreds of components inside that building um, 
and like I said, there's going to be like plumbing, wiring, electrical, fixtures, drop ceiling, swimming pools, irrigation, landscape, sidewalks, you know, um, on and on and on. There's hundreds of components that can now be plucked out of what we call real property under Section 1250 in the tax code. And we can put it into Section 1245, which is personal property, which makes cost segregation legal. And instead of depreciating that asset, that, that apartment building over 27 and a half years, well, now you can depreciate it over one to five years through bonus depreciation. And you can take all that accelerated depreciation in today's dollars and use it to offset income. And that's the beauty of kind of in a nutshell, a time value of money. Why would you let the IRS hold on to your money over 27 and a half years when you can put that money in your pocket today and you're offsetting ordinary income um, which is huge, right? So, you, you know, you're going to be able to increase the profit or the cash flow on that property by eliminating ordinary income tax for the next, you know, five to 10 years because of all this upfront depreciation that you can use against income. Therefore, you're mitigating your ordinary income tax and putting more money in your pocket. So that's what we do day in and day out. It's a cash flow play. It's a time value of money play, especially with inflation, the climate that we're in today with inflation, you know, a dollar today is is more money down the road. So you want to take that money and the, the, the IRS tax code allows you to, to go down this other pathway instead of the straight line method, which is every accountant in the United States uses, they're going to write off that property over the 27 and a half years. Um, or you can hire a company like Core, and we can take you down this other path in the tax code that CPAs, quite frank, quite frankly, just don't offer in-house. They would outsource it to a company like Core because of we have the engineering experience, the tax and the legal, we put it under, under one umbrella to be able to write this narrative um, on these tax rulings. There's been over 300 court cases. A lot of people don't know this. There's been over 300 court cases and IRS revenue rulings and memorandums that support cost segregation. And Mike, it's been in the tax code since the late 60s. So, you know, we do a lot of education here at the company and just we're kind of always educating folks. Like, so thank you for having me on the show, number one, so we can, you know, get the word out because it is somewhat underutilized uh, as a strategy. And a lot of people don't, you know, aren't, they're good, maybe they're going to buy their first fourplex and they just aren't aware of cost segregation. It's usually been an afterthought. Um, Thank you for that uh, great overview, high level, and we're going to dive into some advanced topics, really important uh, to cover, uh, because you touched on some key um, um, uh, technicalities, and I kind of want to dive in. So, total makes total sense, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of COSEC, makes ton of sense. Now let's just jump into some more uh, in-depth um, 1250 versus 1245. So 1250, it's your real property, is something that uh, is basically longer than 15 years depreciation. It could be 27 and a half, could be 39 you know, commercial. Now we are in 1245. 1245 is all the stuff that you're putting on 15 year schedule or less, right? Is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. So you take 1245, you take it as bonus depreciation, and right now you, it's still 100% in 2021, 20, 2022, then it starts phasing out at 20% per year. Uh, 23, yeah, all the way to 23, yep. Yeah, and then it continues, and hopefully the Congress will, will take some action and don't let it completely phase out. Uh, but 
what happens on the recapture? Just a very quick, um, uh, one of the concerns that some folks have, that's all wonderful, but when it's recaptured, if 12, 1245 is recaptured, typically recaptured those ordinary tax rates. What if the rates go up? And then the other really important question, which you said, uh, you get the benefits today, but quite often this uh, bonus depreciation greatly exceeds the project cash flow. So essentially uh, it becomes a passive loss unless somebody's a real estate professional, right? That they can use to offset other income. So for real estate professionals, it, it has immediate impact, but a lot of investors are not. So they get that bonus depreciation as passive loss. And that passive loss essentially offsets, could offset other capital gains from a sale of another property. It's the piles versus picks, passive investment gains versus passive allocation losses. But capital gains tax at 20%, or whatever that is, 23%. The point is, you will use this depreciation today, maybe in the future years to offset, if you can, uh, income from rental uh, rent collection, but that's not enough. So a lot of it carries forward on the recapture side. So the question is, does it always recapture at the ordinary rates? Are there advanced techniques to avoid this recapture at the ordinary rate? Now we're jumping into very advanced subject very quickly. But I wanted to bring it up because it, you know we had a conversation yesterday with some really advanced adva investors, and they're just trying to understand how it's going to be used. Yes, deduction is today. You're getting years worth of sort of free play, but at the same time, when it's recaptured, if it's recaptured, um, it's going to be uh, recaptured at the ordinary rate. Just cover a little bit of this: is the advanced technique to avoid the recapture at the ordinary rates can be done at the long-term rates. Just, just curious your, your, your thoughts on this subject. Yeah, you can't avoid recapture. Recapture is a, obviously it's a real thing, but there are some things you can do to mitigate um, recapture. So there, there, there would be an adjustment, you know, into the new property off of the tax basis because of the adjustment of recapture. Um, so, but as, as long as you're, you know, you're, as you plan to move out of one property and you made a profit and you're going to roll into the other property with a 1031 exchange, you can defer, you can continue to defer that, that income gain. Um, so that's always, you know, that's always a good, a good thing. Or if somebody doesn't have the time window, what we advise our clients is just take, do, do so you're gonna do another cost segregation study on the new property, the gain is going to affect your on the you know the the, the ownership. It's going to impact at the top top level. <clears throat> You're going to use that new depreciation to offset because, as you mentioned, you get a lot of perks as an active real estate investor, where you can use it against other income sources. So as long as it you know so you can you can apply the new depreciation to the the gain on the on the last sale, and then you can kind of mitigate. Um, by using depre you're just you're kicking that income down the down the you know down the down the lane here down the street so to speak. Now there is a way to we run recapture analysis for our clients and it depends on um, you know the situation because if you we can dispose so per personal property is it's already been exhausted through bonus depreciation and you, so you can use that to you usually that personal property it has a declining balance. So by the time of your exiting, that, that personal property has no use anymore, has no value on the books. Therefore, we can put more into real property 
versus personal property. That's where they, that's where the recapture is. It's on the personal property that you already took the depreciation. So here, at, you know, we can help kind of what we, what, what we run, what we run is these recapture analysis and they're kind of what if, so they're based on, okay, you know, we're going to hold this property for three years. We're going to, you know, we're assuming we're going to make this much gain and we're going to look at what the depreciation that was taken um, and versus what the gain would be in ter terms of the sale. So it gets, it, it gets a little sticky. Um, this is something that, you know, we like to get their CPA involved in, um, but we can run these recapture analysis to kind of give somebody an idea, you know, to do it or not to do it or what that recapture is going to look like. But based on some proper planning, um, and, and based on something that's called disposition, this, these are partial assets. We can actually book losses on the books before it's sold because that prop, that personal property has no more value. And there's a way to mitigate the recapture. It gets a little technical. Um, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds. You know, we're not a CPA firm, but we are pretty savvy when it comes to pre-planning for our clients on what capture, what recapture, what, how it would impact. So, and like you said, it depends on if they're, you know, if they're an active investor, they get more leeway um, versus if they're a, just a passive investor. So there's, that comes into play. So a great point. I, I really love your last comment and for not all listeners will appreciate what you said, but I'm just going <laughs> to recapture this because it, it makes total sense. So on the depreciation recapture, the, the point is, especially if it has gone through value add and you got rid of the old fridge and on the old carpet, completely they're gone. So there's no recapture value at all because it's been replaced. So and a lot of people don't, and, and you're, you're spot on. Even CPAs are missing that piece um, and how to book those assets on the exit. So yes, so that's, I'm glad that you uh, brought that up and I'm glad we're talking about it. So great point. So we, we're now going through a value add multifamily project uh, units are getting through innovation as a part of the plan. So year one typically takes a couple of years. So there's a first cost seg and then the year one typically second cost set after you've done a lot of the um, renovations and a lot of units have been, have got new appliances, new bunch of new stuff. You could run secondary cost seg, right? You, you, you can redepreciate that again and get essentially the deduction um, for the bonus depreciation from virtually everything you spent on these renovations. Does that sound right? Yeah, so so as we started talking a little bit a few minutes ago, so we do what's called an as-built, so that's our first kind of phase one cost segregation study just on the on the acquisition, right? And then there's gonna be things being ripped out of there and, and, and tore out and, and then the renovation starts. So we handle that step first. And then once we get the final change orders, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's in the same tax season. A lot of times it's going into a different tax year because let's just say people are, are buying properties right now, but- It takes two years, two, two, sometimes two and a half years to renovate. They can actually spend even three years. Three yeah, some of these CAFX budgets are huge. And you know, these are big 100, 200, 300, 400 unit apartment buildings that they're gonna go through a serious rehab. So once we get the final change orders, They'll send it to us, and then we'll cost out, we'll cost seg out the all of the capex cost, and go through it as and, and basically treat it as a as a, a piggyback study we call it. And and it's not as intense as the is the first study because we, we we have our arms around everything. We've already done all the heavy lifting. Once we get the final change orders, we can then carve out what assets need to be 
um, in shorter life and what assets need to stay in longer term. So it is a phase two, part two approach. Love it. This is all great. This is very detailed, but this is how these projects run. It's important. And the other point you had, you got to have a good engineer or engineers as part of your uh, organization because you have to break down to the details, especially on the original study, all the plumbing, all the old stuff that you want to depreciate. Um, you need to have engineering opinion. But let's now continue. So multifamily cost eggs are awesome. Um, and you do the primary and then you do the secondary one after the improvements have been made, right? And then on the recapture side, the 1245 where your personal property items, uh, a lot of them will, will hopefully be worth very little. We'll do that final study before the sale of the property to basically say, what's left of the personal property is very little. So that recapture is hopefully very light and not, not really uh, challenging uh, from, and then even if there is recapture, like you said, there's a, there's a new asset. If you're moving the money, as long as you're moving the money into a new piece of real estate, not buying Ferraris, but buying more real estate, you could again use the passive investment gains to be offset by a new cost sag with the passive allocation losses. The only thing we don't know from now on, one of the risks is whether the bonus depreciation is going to be extended and to what degree will it be at 50% and will it be extended at 100%. Depends on the political environment, what the Congress looks like. Yep. But at some point, um, the hope is at least every real estate investor. And by the way, there are real estate investors on both on the left and on the right. So the, the good news is our hope is that the Congress gets enough real estate lobby to actually extend bonus depreciation uh, regardless of yeah. the political affiliation. I, I always say there's, there's, there's rich Democrats and there's rich Republicans and they love cost segregation. And they know, right. they know what Trump did all these years, why he pays little tax, because they're all doing it. They all do it. They all love it. They all love depreciation, but he gets thrown under the bus because, you know, he pays little in taxes, but, um, but no one talks about, you know, why? And it's, it's, it's cost segregation. It's, it's the, the most powerful tax strategy for real estate investors. And it's been this, it's kind of catching up now, but um, at least in the multifamily space, but when we get outside of the multifamily space, you'd be surprised on how few people are really using cost segregation fully. And I get this, well, our CPA is handling this. We get this objection. Oh, you can oh, our run CPA your is taking care of this, Mike. Oh, we're all set. Our CPA is very aggressive. Okay. Well, let's dig into that a little bit, you know, because CPAs really, the IRS frowns upon a CPA actually doing this themselves because they don't have the engineering experience, nor are they attorneys. They don't have the legal experience to understand. So if it gets, and, and CPAs, God bless them, they understand depreciation better than anybody. Um, but most of them will not touch this anymore because of the audit risk. There's audit risk that we put our name on as an engineering company um, that we supply hundred percent audit defense real audit defense in case the IRS ever comes and looks at this, because I will tell you, because I do this, I've been doing this for so long. Um, the IRS, you know, if, if your cost segregation company or whoever you're, whoever's doing your depreciation um, and assets are not according to the IRS technique and guidelines that was published in 2004, they will disallow and penalize you They'll disallow the entire cost segregation study and then penalize you. So our clients want to sleep at night and we're not talking about $10,000, $20,000. We're talking millions. You know, when you do a cost segregation study, a lot of times it's 
you know, for every million, I'll share this with you, Mike, every, for every million dollars in acquisition costs minus land, you know, or construction costs or renovation costs for every million dollars in today's cost segregation world with bonus generates about 300 grand. Think about that. You know, it's about 30%. So if you're getting into a $10 million building, that's $3 million that needs to be accounted for, not just on a depreciation schedule, but if you're going to write it off under, under the 1245 rules, um, it better be detailed and it better have backup and it better be cross-referenced to case law of why you're being you're taking 15% of the electrical. Because there's certain things that you can and can't do. And there's all these rulings, such as permanency rules. I mean, this is there's a lot around cost segregation. People say, oh, it's cost seg, it's cost seg. Well, just whatever. It's, it's not one size fits all. There's, there's a very detailed methodology. So at the end of the day, when the cost segregation is completed, it will withstand any IRS scrutiny. And that's the big deal. And, you know, as you might know, the, the Biden administration is hiring 75,000 to 100,000 field examiners coming after guys like us that are, you know, doing, moving and shaking and buying buildings and hiring people. They are coming after us and they will be looking into where this depreciation is coming from because they need to close the gap on all this spending and they're coming after entrepreneurs and people that are in the commercial real estate space. So it is more critical than ever to make sure that you have audit defense around your accelerated depreciation because it can come back and bite you and you do not want to mess with the IRS in any shape or form because it's a headache, right? I mean, it's, it's costly. It's a headache. You want to make sure you, you do it right up front. Gary, thank you for that. Completely in agreement. Doing cost seg with the most experience, most reputable, strongest uh, firms makes total sense. Everything you said, you, you said is just it's gold. Absolutely agree uh, that it's got to be done by the book with ability to defend in case of an audit. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Now let's dive into a little more detail on on something you mentioned. So the thirty percent ratio. So a $10 million asset generates first year bonus depreciation. 30% of that is $3 million, right? $100 million asset, first year bonus depreciation, $30 million. Approximately, it varies asset by asset, of course. So it makes total sense. Let me dive into something else you said. You do things beyond multifamily, and I wanted to cover a little bit of that. So multifamily, typically first year is 30%. I think I, I, uh, that number actually resonates with me because I've seen it live many times. It's about right. Uh, now we go into a few other asset classes. I'm just curious uh, what, what's been your experience. First year bonus depreciation, and let's just kind of go through a few asset classes. High level, on average, obviously depends asset by asset. Self-storage, industrial warehouses, um, mobile homes, um, office, retail. Just cover like all those asset types. What do you see? Like, go multifamily this, office this. So, yeah, well, so typically we have all things being equal and yeah. under typical circumstances. Yeah. And I, by the way, I love your, I love this interview because you, you're asking me it's like great questions that a lot of people never don't ask me because they're, they're, they're a little deeper, but, but this is real and you get it because you've been doing this for a while. So I appreciate you having me on again. Um, okay. So let's look at multifamily. Multifamily can be, I mean, we see it somewhere 30 to 40%. Okay, so you know, you take a large 
sprawling garden style multifamily. They've got lots of land improvements, um, drainage systems, you know, a lot of landscape, a lot of parking lots, a lot of curbs, a lot of underground electrical and wiring. So it's very important that we, we, you know, again, we go on site and, and, and we find all of these assets that can be written off. So a lot of, you know, multifamily is, is, is a great ROI for, for cost seg, right? I think most people know that, you know, you, you buy, you buy a apartment building, you got a cost seg. It doesn't make business sense. You're losing money if you don't cost seg. It's, it's just, that's just where it's at. Unless you're going to flip it under one year. We can talk about that too. Whole Agree. Thirty percent plus is a is a very viable yeah. scenario. And that's, and I just want to cover other asset classes. Just want to make so, sure you comment on other ones. Just curious. So storage is is not as much because when you do a storage, there's nothing inside the storage units. They're just empty garages. There's nothing to grab. There's no cost seg. There's no meat on the bone. Now storage is still you still get a good number, but it's not nowhere near multifamily because there's range. Give me a range. Just, just curious. So, on a storage, oh, so let's just let's just call it twenty to twenty-five percent on storage. You can still get a big chunk of the land, which is so beautiful about bonus, because before you had to wait fifteen years. Land improvements in the normal cost seg world were fifteen years. You have to spread that out over fifteen years. With bonus, the fifteen-year number it becomes one. You you get all of the land improvement. Um, so all the piping, all the all the everything all the... is in is in year one. Right. So your five year, seven year, 15 years. So you can actually get to 20, 25% on a storage versus 30% in multifamily. Yeah. Well, because you still get a nice chunk on the land, but they build the interior there, you know, unless you have a, obviously you have an office where somebody works out of checks people in and out. Um, the, the, the walls the and they do the partitions are long-term. They're not, you can't do it. A lot of it just has to stay in 27 and a half year property. Gotcha. Uh, what about what about industrial? Is it similar oh, industrial because it's all? Well, it depends on it depends on industrial. It depends on uh, who's in there, what the company is. Is the company in there a uh, owner occupied or is it a leasehold? It depends on who paid for the build out and the expenses. It depends on who gets the benefit. So there's there's just some more due diligence. Um, you know, every time that we, we we do a high tech industrial. Now, is it a warehouse style? It's just a big empty space with a couple offices. That's going to be less. Could be twenty percent allocation. Could be twenty-two percent allocation. You know, we're doing one right now, very three hundred thousand square foot facility, and there it's but it's very high tech. So there's a lot of special wiring, special plumbing, um, cooling systems, automation systems. You know, raised floors to support what's going on in, t- in terms of the, the the company that's in there. So there's just different. There's always a little caveat that you have to be aware of, um, you know, so that's industrial. It depends on, like I said, it depends on what the building is designed to do. Who's in there? What are the, what's the operation look like? You know, um, is it just storage type stuff or is it, is it, uh, is it high tech? Is it, is it, is there machining going on? Is there other things going on that, that we have to be aware of? So then that can really crank up on an industrial, you know, that could be 30, 35%, um, allocation between real property and personal property and this is very helpful so that's 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 a great differentiation and great details why uh the, the, there's difference what about sort of office uh shopping office stuff? office is interesting office is a little bit more complex because um there's a lot of different suites there's a lot of different tenants um there could be tear outs and replacements there's ways that we handle 
the disposition of one tenant moving out and, the, and they're going to completely gut that suite and they're going to be building a new suite. Um, who's paying for that, th that build out that has to be accounted for, but each suite has to be accounted for. You don't just go in and do a blanket based on square footage. You know, so we go in there, it takes us a little bit more time on a office uh, building, but it's, you know, it could be 25, 30% as well. Cause there's going to be, it depends on, you know, it depends on the, the tenants in there. Um, you know, if it's medical, there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff that are considered improvements in, on the interior type presentation, you know, like a law firm, like there's just a ton of stuff in, in when you go into a law firm, cause there's just a lot of, you go into these offices and there's just beautiful shelving and presentation and, you know, all the decorative lighting. And it's just, there's a lot of high end. You go into a senior living facility, same, same thing, huge ROI, you know, very similar to a, a multifamily. Um, so most asset classes are, are, are pretty, pretty lucrative for, for a cost segregation study. The ones that are just, again, a little limited would be the warehouse style. Um, think, you know, there's just nothing in the building. There's just, they're just box stores like a, a CVS, you know, or a Rite Aid. I mean, they're, they're still, we still do them. It's just not as big as the, it's, you might be 15, 18, 20% allocation versus a 30% because of the, the, the improvements in the interior. That makes total sense. I mean, you basically, that you, you're dissecting the building into components and that's why you need engineers. So you, you need to be very detailed. This is not um, an approximation game. This is a precision game, right? You have to be detailed. So if IRS comes in, you can actually give them the study and the justification why all these uh, deductions were taken or the 1245 schedule was used to uh, uh, in a bonus depreciation. So it makes total sense. Just curious, mobile homes, I heard, again, I haven't had much exposure to mobile homes yet, but I heard mobile homes could be as good as multifamily, even better, right? It's one of the most interesting. Well, multi, yeah, mobile homes are interesting because it depends on um, if they own the actual mobile home, who, you know, it does the... Yeah, so if it's only the, land, there's very little. You can do just land improvement, right? You can do all the pipes. But if, if you own it, let's assume at the moment, the mobile homes are owned by the park. If the mobile homes are owned by the park owner, then we can cost seg the actual interiors of the mobile parks, of the mobile homes that they live in. <laughs> we've been able to, we, we've done many of those. We go out and separate the personal property, you know, versus the real property in, in the mobile parks, so in the mobile homes, I should say. And then others are just, they own the pads and then we just do the land improvements, but it's, it's still huge because of bonus depreciation, we can carve out and accelerate all that 15 year land into one year. Um, so it's a pretty big number still. So if anybody owns a mobile park and they have not done cost seg because maybe they think one way or the other, um, maybe it's time for them to, you know, relook at it because they could be sitting on a ton of cash, you know, because of they maybe, you know, again, they don't, they don't know that, that they can accelerate inside of the trailer park or, or the land or the, um, the interiors. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. The few folks that I know that do mobile homes, uh, they, they work as well, sometimes even better than the multifamily because mobile yeah. homes are more personal property than uh, real property. And you could actually build more aggressive schedule with proper uh, study or proper cost study. So that, that's critical. Everything you said makes total sense. I, I love this discussion because we've dived into some great details, which we typically cannot get out of CPA. You're absolutely right. My commentary is that the folks that do uh, cost segregation, they have to be specialists, 
versus your typical tax filing CPA. It's a, it's a different world, drastically different uh, tasks and drastically different expertise. And you, you, you're right that it's gotta be able to withstand essentially an audit uh, because we are coming into the environment where the audit likelihood is increasing with IRS trying to find money. Um, and uh, uh, the, without going into political discussion, the way we're spending money, I think we're going to be continue. It's almost, I don't want to call this a waste. It's, it's really just a something that the um, in, either a, I would call it a waste or a witch hunt. But the, the challenge is that the government borrows so much more money than even if, if it could audit everybody and get some collections and improvements. Realistically, it could get some more taxes collected. There are uh, situations where the, uh, there is improper study or too aggressive or some things are wrong. But practically speaking, we're spending so much more beyond the tax collections that the effort to increase uh, collections is not necessarily going to achieve, it's, it's going to move, it's not going to move the needle. Let me put it this way. It's going to move the needle so little that um, we're going to be borrowing 90% of the deficit and maybe the 99% of the deficit and then 1% can come in and then, yeah, you collected a little more through the enforcement. Did it really change anything? No. Does this look like uh, we're taxing the rich? Well, <laughs> that, that, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a political, and I mean this with, without taking, you know, without picking any, on anybody. I'm a mathematician. I'm purely looking at the math, right? We're borrowing trillions. And this doesn't might, make any sense. Yeah. And this one might pick up $50 billion a year worth of better yeah. enforcement. It's just an agenda that that they have to, you know, go after and, and push. And, um, you know, it, we, we look at it from a financial standpoint and a common sense standpoint and a fiscal standpoint. Like you said, it, it literally makes no sense. And, and they're going to take from things that are working and try to shake it up. And, and um, you know, it's frustrating to say the least. But we won't go there right now, Mike. It's, that's right. It's, that's right. <laughs> but real estate is, is this is how most people build their wealth in this country and everywhere in the, in the world. Real estate is probably the most profound asset class with all the benefits. And one of the key benefits is depreciation and the cost sag and the bonus depreciation really accelerates that and helps uh, real estate investors benefit. And, and it's really important, we covered in this, and I'm going to cover this again. It benefits both active and passive investors or real estate professionals to be more precise and non-real estate professionals. Real estate professionals, um, because they can deduct those passive losses to become active and they can deduct against other current income. But non-real estate professionals, what's really amazing and fascinating is that we have plenty of uh, folks who work with and invest with us and then they sell their old appreciated real estate and they get their gains, maybe depreciation or capture plus capital gains. And then that money needs to go somewhere to with tax efficiency. So 1031 is complicated, difficult, uh, takes there's this strict timelines. And if you if you blow up 1031, now you still have the pigs versus policy. You can still take that money without 1031 or blown up 1031 and put it in the next project and do a cost sag and bonus depreciation and get those deductions to offset the gains from the sale of a property. This a real basic concept is not understood, not well known. I just love how it sounds. Passive investment gains get offset, but passive allocation losses. Pigs, they need the pals, right? They're the friends. They help each other. 
So uh, final question, uh, how would folks get a hold of you if they wanted uh, your uh, wisdom, expertise, your services? Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of Terry? Uh, so, and any final comments? Yeah, so they can get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, I think it's, you know, you can just, you can Google my name, but go to our website, uh, www.coreadvisors.net. You can connect with me there. And then I'll, and then my email is the great way to, to reach out to me. Um, if you want to set up a, a 15 minute consult, you know, uh, pro bono, we do a lot of free uh, education and, and, and be happy to talk to anybody about uh, your, your specific scenario if you're listening. So Terry Judge, just my name, Terry Judge at coreadvisors.net. Shoot, uh, shoot me an email and uh, be happy to chat and give you, uh, and, that, and we can actually prepare a no cost benefit analysis for you. Uh, custom to your situation. And we're doing a lot of, um, it's, you know, we're doing a lot of uh, vacation rental homes now that, that kind of, you know, we were never in the single family um, game, but over the last, you know, year, it's just exploded. So many people are doing short-term rentals and, you know, they, they had no idea that they could cost segregate their, their short-term Airbnb house. And there's, you know, there's some techniques and better ways to do it than not. And we'd be happy to, you know, uh, share that as well. Cause a lot of people are paying, you know, half a million dollars, and above for these beach kind of cool little, you know, resort areas. And they're like, Oh my God, you know, and they can, they can take full advantage of, of, of the tax law for, for accelerated depreciation on that asset. And again, a lot of them are paying 500,000. So, and I, oh, let me just say this in, in closing, the, the, the minimum is, is about 500 grand in purchase price or construction cost that we economically like to see. So at least $500,000 and more, uh, and above would be would would be the sweet spot for a cost irrigation study. Okay, just a FYI on, on that note. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's a, that's a great point, and um, I, I, I I've heard about this in the past, where you could cost seg a um, single family residential or vacation home, and and you're absolutely right. At five hundred thousand, there's some economic. Uh, basically the cost is justified by the benefits. Uh, but anything sort of at a higher price, um, obviously uh, commercial property uh, is becomes a perfect candidate for a cost seg. Um, and a lot of yeah. projects we deal with, they're much bigger than 500,000. It's, it's right, uh, right, multi-million right. dollar commercial properties where it's a no-brainer, it's almost given. Everybody does this, but you're right. People don't know you bought, you, 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 you bought Airbnb property uh, and you can run a cost seg and is it still about 30% first year? Is that the same ratio applies on a, yeah, we're, yeah. I mean, you know, right, right in that, right in that area, you know, 28 to 32% is the kind of what we're seeing, um, consistently on that. So even if you have a, a portfolio of single family homes, let's say, um, you got 10, you know, five and, it, and, and all of it adds up to over 500,000 that we would help you. Do the cost seg as well on, on that so it doesn't have they to do be portfolios of single families too and the economics work to be the, the cost is still within reason yeah. okay very very interesting yeah i've heard of people doing this typically you need advanced software and somehow because going to every property and spending a lot of time would be almost cost prohibitive but you got to have enough advanced techniques to be able to do it without um generating huge costs but on commercial it's a no-brainer i mean anything yeah 
Commercial. As long as you're holding the property, Mike, I, what I tell our clients, as long as you, the whole time is about three to five years, or longer, uh, then then it makes total sense to do it. Anytime, any anything sooner, if you're going to flip the building, you know, you're going to flip the property, you know, under a year, two years, then I would say cost irrigation is not the best tool uh, for somebody in that scenario. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's the time value of money. At the end of the day, you got to hold it long enough to. Um, uh, but I, what I really like your classic scenario is basically you acquire property, uh, you do initial cost sag, then uh, you do improvements, then you do your secondary cost sag, then you refi, <laughs> you get all your cash out, maybe even some uh, some tax free profits, right? Uh, at least tax free appreciation through a refi, and then you hold it forever. That scenario, and then you pass it to your kids with a step-up basis, right? I mean, this is your uh, buy, cost-seg, improve, cost-seg, refi till you die, keep refinancing to generate uh, liquidity out of the property, keep it keep it forever until the day, you know, you pass, you're ready to pass it to your kids. Man, you, you are spot on. So, you know, I, I could just, just tell, you know, your, my listeners, your listeners, because you know, obviously we're going to put this on our social media stuff too, is like get a hold of Big Mike and... Um, because man, you know your stuff. I, I'm impressed, and I appreciate know. that. Likewise, I have to say, Talk you know your stuff to the nth degree. I, I have great appreciation for this interview because the depth and the details and the numbers you are spot on on pretty much everything I've seen. So uh, great. Well, comment. we've been, uh, you know, we we've been doing this for January one this of 2022. Will be sick. I'm going on 16 years. Hence the the white hair. <laughs> and you know, we 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 employ some really senior people that have come from big four where I've been very blessed to have the team that's taken me a long time to put the team together, but you know, it's, it's uh, so that's what makes uh, my staff makes us, you know, makes all the magic happen. Um, and we're, you know, which is awesome. You know, and as you know, in business, it's, it, you know, you want to have a, <clears throat> a good experience for our clients and uh, we're, you know, you want to be easy to work with because it is a complicated area and every day we get asked and I'm like damn I never heard that before that is interesting you know I'm thinking I've heard it all and there's usually something maybe once or twice a month I get a scenario because every there's so much going on in real estate as you know and, and when you've got a tenant in common or you've got this partner and this partner's buying out this partner and how does that depreciation work ultimately you know or it's a syndication as you as you know and run and so anyways I um yeah, so that's uh, we're we're just uh, we're excited about you know where things are at right now and and um, helping you know helping people maximize this this beautiful tax strategy is our passion. We just we just love it and it, you know and it's just um, hopefully God willing it's going to stay in the tax code for another sixty years because it it's been in the code for a long long time and we hate to see anybody any administration try to you know shut this down. Because it, 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 you know, with 1031, it really drives and, you know, obviously good interest rates and good, good lending practices. And what you said is this strategy that you just laid out, I don't know if everybody kind of got it, but it is the, in my opinion, the number one way to build wealth. What we're we, talking about right here is the best way to build wealth. I don't know if there's anything. I mean, I got a little crypto. I do a little bit of this. I do a little bit of that but at the end of the day investing in something like you're doing and then and then coupling it with smart tax uh, planning like cost you know it really is it really becomes somewhat magical 
And let's wrap up on that. This is an awesome interview. I appreciate that. Thank you for your wisdom and thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah, let's let's chat offline. We might have some projects for you. Really love this discussion. Thank you kindly. I, I love it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike Zlotnick. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.